What should we do? People almost never ask us that, do they? What should we do? What should I do? It gives us a sense of having some kind of authority or having some kind of expertise in an area that might be on their minds. What should we do? Imagine if somebody asked us that once, and imagine if we were prepared to give some kind of a really stellar response. And they asked John the Baptist three times in today's gospel, these three different groups, what should we do? And imagine if we were prepared to evangelize. If somebody said, what should we do or what should I do? We might want to say, well, if, if we know the person, we might know if they're affiliated at all or unchurched. If they're not, we might say, be baptized. Get to know the Lord Jesus. Come and see. And maybe if it's somebody who's a lapsed Catholic, maybe reconsidering their faith, what should I do? Come to Mass with me. Get to, get to confession. Come and see. Meet the Lord Jesus. And then we also have this opportunity not only to prepare ourselves for when people might ask us what we should do, what they should do, but are we asking the Lord, what should I do? Of course, that's a beautiful prayer that we can make. What should we do? In this gospel, we hear how this thing unfolds, and it seems to me like it's a big, big fat conversion of heart story, a big fat invitation to have a conversion of heart. John the Baptist invites the people to be faithful in things that are very ordinary, things that are very normal. He invites them to generosity and things that are very normal and ordinary. He talks about clothing and food. He says, give away half of it. He invites them to generosity. He invites them to repent of the things that were keeping them from knowing God. He mentions things like greed, extortion, and falsehoods. And then as we're entering into this life of generosity that he calls us, we're being more like God because God is the one who's all generous. We can never outdo him with our generosity. But the bottom line is, John the Baptist is inviting them to do their normal things well, to do the ordinary with great honesty, to do it in an upright way, to do it their best, even if it is ordinary and normal. We might say, okay, we're on board with that, but when do we start? When is a good time? And I think he shows us that today as well. Now is the time. Because he talks about the one coming after him, and he says his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he's ready to make that great separation, gathering us into his, into his barn or pushing us into the unquenchable fire. The Baptist, as he's extorting the people and so many things, He's requiring of them to show some evidence of their conversion, to show some evidence of their repentance. And as they live their normal lives, as they do those normal, ordinary things, they will produce that, that evidence, that fruit of showing their conversion of heart. So when somebody asks, what should we do? It might make us feel pretty good about ourselves. It might even be a temptation into the sin of pride. We might say, wow, this person wants my advice. This person wants my guidance. But even if it is a temptation into pride, we need not panic because we get a great example from the same guy in today's gospel, John the Baptist himself. He shows us what to do. He always points to someone else. 
He says, one mightier than I is coming. And of course, all of us Christians, we're supposed to be making that very important announcement. One mightier than I is coming. He's been here before, but he's coming back again. So we announce this by what we say and do. It's probably more important by what we do because people appreciate and notice witnesses. As we give testimony by the example of our lives, it's more credible, it's more convincing. So our witness speaks volumes. Then as we're pointing out that there is one mightier than I that is coming, automatically we're practicing the virtue of humility. And that's important because as we practice humility, we're like making room for God in our lives. We're not so full of ourselves that there's no room for him. But in humility, we're making room, letting him enter in. Also, we're automatically giving a testimony. One mightier than I is coming. I know who this Jesus is who's coming. Would you like to know him too? He's the one that can satisfy. Only he's the one that can save. He loves you. Do you want to love In this midpoint of Advent, we get to wear these rose vestments, reminding us not to be too gloomy, reminding us to rejoice. Like we heard today in that second reading from St. Paul, he said a couple of times, rejoice. It is a time of great rejoicing because we know that the world has been redeemed. And as we have a little bit of happiness in the midst of this penitential season, we acknowledge that the goodness that happiness can do for us as we witness the Christian life. Notice how as we're, more hap- as we're happier, we're probably more likely to encourage other people also to live the Christian life. And as we look at the opposite of that, as we're gloomy, as we think about times we might have been gloomy, weren't those probably the times that we were probably open to sinning even more? But in happiness, we notice that we're more productive, not only in this life, not only in the ordinary, not only in our normal jobs, but we're also more productive in helping to usher in the kingdom. We're more effective We're revealing the source of happiness himself. We're being more convincing because when we're joyful, when we rejoice, when we show that happiness, it can become contagious. And others can say, I noticed that and I want some of it for myself. Especially in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, if we can be joyful knowing that Christ redeems all pain because he suffered pain himself, He redeems suffering because he suffered himself. The difficulty is shown in the gospel that he went through. He redeems it all, and we become one with him, especially through the sacraments. St. John the Baptist also lived it. He lived that life of, of, of joyful testimony, even in the face of difficulty, going to a gruesome martyr's death. And as he lived it, he was confused for being the Christ, Wouldn't that be a beautiful testimony of of his example? Wouldn't that be a beautiful testimony? People confused us or associated us with the Christ. Do they associate us with the Christ? That's a beautiful question to ask ourselves. Can they tell? Do they want what we have? And of course, we can say the same thing John the Baptist did. One mightier than I is coming. 